You may or may not know, but I'm taking a break from preaching for a few weeks, and uh, I've been preaching quite a bit over the last year, as you may be aware, with lots of multiple services going on, and uh, so I'm enjoying breathing a little bit and using that time to work on some other things, and I think the most benefit is for you. Uh, you get a break from hearing me for a while, but it's still um, up to me what's happening in here on Sunday morning, so today is totally my decision, all right? So if it bombs... Um, blame Pastor Mike. <laughs> no, it's not going to bomb. We got blessed in the first service today, and you're going to be blessed too. I'm going to invite our students to come on up here and join me, and they know who they are, and they're going to set some stools up, and they're going to be ready to pass along some microphones here today. These are just some of our current 12th graders and some of our current college students, and I'm going to be interviewing them today, and there's biblical reasons why. I want you to listen to what the Bible says, Psalm 145.4. Y'all are Baptists. Y'all are like, I didn't sit in this stool last service, right? Y'all are all messed up now. Psalm 145.4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. Did you hear that, church? One generation shall commend your works to another. I don't think we spend enough time in the church, generation to generation, telling the stories of, who, of what God has done in our lives and what God has done for us. We need to be intentional to make that a bigger part of our church life. And soon we're going to be at a campus where we're going to have some places just to sit and fellowship. And I hope that's the theme of our conversations is let's talk about what God has done in our lives. And so I've got some questions and I didn't coach these students, and this isn't just about them as individuals. I told them you really sort of represent all of our students, all of our 12th graders and our college students. I just couldn't put them all up here today. So I'm going to sit here on the front row and just talk to them and let you guys listen in. Okay, so let's start over here with Katie and tell us your name and tell us where you go to school and if you're out of school, what you do for a living. Um, I'm Katie Goolsby. I go to Brookwood High School. I'm a senior. Um, I will be going to Wallace State Community College next year to study diagnostic medical sonography. All right. Um, I'm Christian Nargang, and I go to the University of Montevallo, and I'm studying to be an art teacher. I'm McKenna Kitchens, and I will be graduating from McAdory High School next month. Praise God. And <laughs> I'll be going to UAB in the fall in hopes of becoming a psychologist. Um, I'm Micah Hughes, and I graduated from McAdory last year, and I'll be starting Shelton in the fall, and I'm starting the Mercedes program in the summer. Great. Hey, how you doing? I'm Tucker Cochran. I'm 19. I work for the City of Irondale Water Department, and uh, I'm currently living at home right now. So. I'm Alana Williams. I'm a senior at Brookwood High School, um, and I'm going to South Alabama to study psychology with I am Trent Leverkum, and uh, I'm a freshman at Shelton State with the Mercedes program. I'm Seth Summerlin. I'm 21 years old, and I'm a junior at UAB, uh, and I plan on becoming a physical therapist. I'm Dylan Lee, and I'm an 18-year-old senior at Bessemer Academy, and next year I plan to attend Sanford University, where I'll play football and major in mathematics. Fantastic. Very good. Well, thank you guys for your willingness to do this today, let me, let me first ask you this question, because I think this is right now, it's always been an important question. I feel in my bones right now, maybe more important in our lifetime, especially in your generation, is how do you answer this question? What do you believe about the Bible? And I'll let anybody that wants to jump in on that, just take that one. Um, it's perfect. It's inspired by God, and it is something that we need to look at to learn how to be more like Jesus. Okay, that's good. Anybody else add anything to that? Go ahead, Dylan. Um, I said this last service, but I want to say it again. I believe that the Bible is um, the most historically accurate, accurate document ever, and it will forever be because it is, it is written by people who were inspired by God, and it tells us stories about creation and about the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, and it holds the fundamental truth of a believer, and that is that we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, and there's nothing else that can bring us into the kingdom of heaven other than Jesus interceding for us and our sins on the cross. And um, I think that is the basis of our fundamental faith, is just that without the Bible, 
being our final authority in our life, then Christianity in itself is a dead religion and there's no relationship with God because you have no authority in your life without the word. Amen. Amen. Anybody? McKenna, you were drawing. Yes. Um, I think a lot of unbelievers and even some Christians have the thought that the Bible is just like a book full of rules and it's just like a chore that we have to live by and it's a burden. But really it's the breath of God and it's our guidance through life and how we should live. It's our authority. It's what it's our foundation, you know? Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, what do you believe about Jesus? Somebody, somebody else take that one. Go ahead, Alana. Um, he lived a perfect and sinless life, and he gave his life for us. Um, and everything in the Bible that talks about him is a way for us to know how to live more like him and an instruction on how to spread the word and spread the gospel. So, yeah. Okay, cool. Anybody else want to add to that? Um, I feel like he was, he was, well, I don't feel like, I know he was. He was completely God, but completely man at the same time and faced all the same temptations that we face, but still remained perfect and died for our sins. Well, how, you, you started to say you feel, but then you said, you know, how do you know that? Because the Bible says so. <laughs> uh, how many of you, just by show of hands, would say the Bible is the final authority in all matters of my life? Yes. That's, that's a, such an important question. Anybody else want to weigh in on who Jesus is? I think y'all covered it pretty well. Anybody else have a thought? What about the, go ahead, Alana. I just agree with that. I think a lot of times we don't, like, think about the fact that he was fully human as well, and so he really did go through everything we go through. He just was perfect. So, yeah. Yeah, like, we, we always see him as this up high, like, I'm not worthy of that, but he lived the same life we do. He just was perfect. Without sin. 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 He's our sympathetic high priest now, right? And Dylan mentioned interceding. He is interceding for us right now. What is the gospel? Um, it's the good news of Jesus Christ. Um, it's that he wants to have a relationship with us. Um, and, you know, there's good news and we have hope and we have a future because Jesus did live that perfect life. And he did conquer um, sin, death, and the grave so that we could be with him forever. And so um, I'm just so thankful for the gospel. I'm going to throw, throw you a curveball. Okay. We were singing the song just before you guys came up, and there was a line in the song that said, this is all my righteousness, nothing but the blood of Jesus. What does that mean? I think Jesus is our righteousness. Um, he's our provider. He's, he gives us that righteousness through his blood. So. Yeah, I would say nobody's going to enter the kingdom of heaven that's not righteous, and was, you know, the way that we get together because he was righteous. Yeah. All right. Um, what do I want to ask you now? I know they got questions, too. Y'all want to ask them a question? I'm just kidding. Um, let's, let's real quick go down the line. Um, and we'll, we'll start over here with Katie again. Um, tell me just briefly your story of how you came to faith in Jesus. How did Jesus draw you? Um, so I grew up at Grace Life. I came here when I was three. Um, so basically, it was raised in church, was at church every Sunday. Um, and one Sunday, I think I was seven, I, Joel did an altar call, and I just didn't do it because I was so shy, and I didn't want to get in front of everybody. So I just kind of threw it to the side and just didn't do anything about it. And so later on that week, I just was sitting on the school bus. <laughs> Um, on the way home from school, and something just hit me, and I, it was, like, serious, like, and I, that just shows me that the Lord was, like, pushing on my heart, because he, since I just left him on Sunday, and didn't do anything about going to the altar, he wanted me to, he wanted me to be saved, and he called me on the, called me to be with him on the bus that day at school, and so I went home, and I told my parents, and we prayed, and I got saved, so. That's good. All right, Christian. Um, so, I was probably, like, seven or eight when I got saved. So I grew up in church and my dad's a pastor. So I've always like known about Jesus and did all the churchy stuff. Um, and I got saved really young, but it wasn't until I got to college when I really like had a relationship with Jesus. And I think it was about, I was 19 when I like really got saved or really understood what it meant to be saved. Um, I was in second grade and I had, like all of us, grown up in church. I knew about Jesus. I knew all the churchy things. 
Um, it was like routine to me. Um, but I didn't know Jesus. I didn't have that relationship with Jesus. And um, my dad played a big influential role in my life during that time. And he bought me like a little circular pamphlet program thing from Lifeway, throwback. Um, <laughs> and um, we would just ride around Macala and just drive and talk about the gospel and um, go through that little pamphlet together. And I realized, like, I'm not saved. I know who Jesus is, but I don't know him. I don't have that relationship. He doesn't call me his daughter yet. And so um, one night in bed, I was about to go to sleep, and I just prayed to the Lord and um, asked him to, at that time, I asked him to give me, or to come into my heart, but then I later real, realized in life, he doesn't just come into my heart, he gives me a new heart. And so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Good. Micah? Uh, same as Christian, my dad was a pastor, and I jumped around churches a bunch, and I knew all the churchy things and the, the hymns, and I just grew up in church there every Sunday, but it wasn't until later in life where... Um, I, I felt a, a bigger calling on my life, and I felt like God had more for me to do, so I just just uh, walked through the steps and just be numb to the church or whatever. And so just growing closer with, like, my buddies and getting poured into by people in the church, it just really helped me understand my faith and what that means to be a Christian. Yeah, good. Uh, yeah, so uh, just like them, all of us really in last service kind of covered it, you know, growing up in church, uh, went to Tanny Hill. Uh, you know, growing up, and, uh, you know, we ended up leaving, but I really got saved, uh, you know, a few years later, actually about now, uh, in the past three or four years, really understand what the gospel really means, and what it is to apply to my life, and what it is to walk with Jesus, and, uh, you know, I got saved in vacation Bible school, but, you know, like I was saying, you know, you really, you understand the concept, and the, and the idea of the gospel, and what it is to be saved, and stuff like that, but it wasn't really truly uh, important to me until, you know, a couple of years ago, and, and really learning to walk with Jesus and, and being able to share him with other people in my life is, is really, you know, helped me and, and really helped me to see that, you know, I am nothing without him, and I could do none of this without him, and uh, he's, you know, everything to me, and, you know, learning every day to walk with him and uh, just applying him to my life is, is super important. I feel like everyone should really strive to do that and, you know, honestly, just to be more like him, so, so yeah. Good. Thanks, Tucker. Um, so when I was about seven, some of my extended family was living with me, and that was a really hard time for me. Um, but in the few months before I got saved, the Holy Spirit was really convicting me, but I didn't really know. I knew the gospel, and I'd grown up in church, but it was kind of like, like, what is this feeling? Um, and then one Sunday night, my pastor uh, was preaching about salvation, and I was like, I need to be saved. Day. And so um, I went to my pastor and my parents, and we kind of talked through that, made sure I knew what I was doing and all that, and so I got saved. Um, and then I kind of just went to church and, like, read my Bible at church, and that was that. Um, and then a few years ago, like, when I really got into Grace Life and in the youth, I was, you know, like, I need to actually get in the Bible by myself and, you know, learn to know Jesus more. And so, yeah. Well, um, I also grew up in church, too, like everybody else, and I guess I was maybe eight or nine, and uh, my mom brought us here to a VBS, and uh, we kind of just fell in love with that, and then uh, we got, when uh, she came to pick us up, it was me and my brother, and uh, we were like, Mom, we got to go back, so uh, that's kind of what started it for me, then uh, fast forward maybe about a year, we go to this church now. And maybe another year, I'm feeling the conviction I need to do something about this. So then, uh, I guess, and then after that service, maybe, I was sitting in Joel's office crying. And then uh, that was me getting saved. And then, I guess, maybe about a year ago, I really started to dive into the world. I mean, the word, excuse me. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> And, uh, well, it, it, you'd start to do that. you got to think, uh, well, something dramatic had to happen to you, right? So uh, I, at this, uh, I used to work at a hardware store, and uh, the boss told me to go out and uh, trim the hedges. And uh, I cut my finger pretty bad. 
and uh, I had to have surgery and all that, all that fun stuff you don't want to do. And then, uh, well, I had all this downtime, right? Wasn't really doing anything, couldn't really do anything. And then this whole, this whole COVID thing, it kind of helped me out. I know all y'all were living in fear, some of y'all were, but it was kind of like a awakening to me to grow closer to Jesus with my free time. That's kind of where I am today. Good, thank you. Seth? All right, uh, it appears to me all of us had the same problem. We had a drug problem, that's what you like to say. Uh, we were all drugged to church. Um, <laughs> but yeah, um, let's see. I was fifth grade, the age that you are when you're fifth grade. Um, it was in West Blockton, the, the First Baptist Church of West Blockton. That's where I live, Bibb County. Um, so let's see. Um, I, I, I remember the room. It was actually at VBS. Um, I asked the Lord to save me there because I knew I needed to be saved. Um, but it wasn't later into my life, let's say maybe 16, 17, um, that like I knew I needed Jesus, right? And I, and I was saved, but I wasn't really walking with the Lord. Um, like it, it, it was a title up until then, right? And, and, and being a Christian is more than a title. It's, it's a way of life. It's how Jesus changes you. Uh, through sanctification and everything. Um, so 16, 17 years old, I really started reading my Bible um, because beforehand I wasn't, right? I was coming to church, um, and I was just kind of going through the motions, um, which a lot of us uh, can do. Um, but I actually started reading my Bible um, daily and praying, um, and then Jesus started to change me. Um, so that happened uh, 16 and 17. Um, and I went on a little rant last service uh, about church, so I'm going to do it again because, you know, that's what I did last time. Um, about about uh, bringing your kids to church and everything because it's really important. But, see, sometimes what it happened to Tucker, uh, and you'll see it with Dylan as well, as uh, we kind of later in our lives decided to, like, really wholeheartedly chase after Jesus, right? Um, and I think one of the things is, is, like, when we grow up in church, right, um, church just becomes like the normal thing to do um and don't get me wrong right bring your kids to church um and but when when they want to be saved um follow up with them and minister to them um, in the house um because if not they're gonna be like not saying we were terrible right um but they might be like us where we're um just just a title you're not really living you're not really really um walking the walk you're just kind of talking it as a title um so yes bring your kids to church um, just afterwards follow up with them uh, and minister to them because um, that's, that's a good thing to do so yeah before I get to Dylan I'm gonna come back to Seth and Tucker and, and talk about that for a second because you you two guys kind of drove me and Bryant crazy because like when you were younger in our student ministry we couldn't get you to plug in we couldn't get you to connect you know and then like at the tail end of your high school career something changed and you guys just dove in, and since then, there's, we, you know, just, and I know that was kind of the beginning, you guys said earlier, of where your relationship with God just became real and personal, and now you're leaders, you know, in our ministry here at Grace Life, so um, I think kind of what Seth was describing is, you know, a lot of times we, as kids, we kind of get used to it, and we hit junior high, and we see this a lot, kids start whining, I don't want to go, I don't want to go, what would you say to those parents who might be kind of passive then that would say, well, they don't really want to go, so I'm not going to make them go. Do you look back at those years that you weren't here and go, man, I wish I had started connecting sooner than I did? Tucker, what, just help me out there. Yeah, of course. Um, you know, like you said, I, I really didn't get plugged in to the uh, student ministry until I was probably at the end of my senior year, really. And, uh, you know, I started here, I think I was probably in the seventh grade when I came to Grace Life. And, you know, I, uh, you know, me and Seth and, and Carson Boyd were all in our uh, Sunday school group. And, you know, those were the, the two guys that I hung out with the most. And, you know, I knew everyone else, but I really didn't, you know, try to. I, I was just stubborn, really hard-headed, you know, still wanted to come to church and, you know, see them. But, you know, really it was just a one of those deals where I was just ready to go home, you know. I just wasn't really plugged in anywhere else other than, you know, the Sunday school group with uh, Mr. Steve Boyd and uh, Trey McKinney. But, you know, I, I really wish that I would have tried more 
to, to fit in, and, or not necessarily to fit in, because you don't want to compromise for who you are, but to really try to get plugged in, I guess you could say, and you know, build relationships and friendships and stuff like that. Super important, but I feel like what Bryant does with the youth group is, is really, really good. So I'm not a parent, and you know, I, it's hard for me to say, but uh, you know, my mom and dad have always brought me to church my whole life. And it's super important because you get to know like the biblical truths and, and you, you gain a little bit of biblical knowledge. And um, you know, it's important you know, later down, down the road uh, to know those things, but really what I missed out on the most, like I was saying, was just the fellowship and the friendships that I could have had. And, you know, Bryant does a good job with making sure there's really no clicks in the youth, in the, uh, you know, 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th. And, uh, you know, he have our little tables and the, uh, all of us, you know, sit with the kids and stuff like that. And there's really no one left out. You know, I, I really don't see any of the kids who are just kind of alone type deal, you know. And if there are, you know, we try to welcome them in, welcome them in and, you know, be friendly to them and stuff like that. So it's the youth group really now, and it was back then, I was just hard-headed, was is super welcoming. So it's really important to be plugged in. And I would just try to be real with your kids. Just, you know, don't sugarcoat anything because sugarcoating the gospel is not good. But, you know, just try to make them understand that, you know, being plugged in and, and you know, at least while you're here, you know, try to have a little bit of fun, you know, because we do have some fun on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights. So it's super important just to have everyone plugged in. You know, that goes for all ages. So that's just the way I look at it. And, you know, I, I kind of regret not being able to go back and really plug in at an earlier age. So. But what I love, though, you can't go back, but what I love about what you and Seth are doing is now you're turning around and you're investing in junior high kids. And you're seeing kids who are like you guys, and you're going the extra mile to love them and invest in them and, you know, to, to, to walk with them. And so I appreciate that so much. Dylan, tell us about how Jesus brought you to salvation. Okay, before I say that, can I add something to what Tucker's saying? No, we have to follow the script. <laughs> Okay. I'm kidding. There's no script, man. You roll with it. Um, so I think it, the reason connection is very important is like that's the main reason we come to church, in my opinion, is you come to church first to get connected with other believers because when you're connected with other believers and you grow closer to them and invest in their life and they grow closer to you and invest in your life, you then can together grow closer to God. And that's like what Joel's been preaching about in the last few weeks uh, before Easter is like, the gospel in 4D is, I think, how you titled it. But as you grow closer to other believers, you get to invest that time in the Word. So I'd say first, you come to church for the fellowship, and then second, for your Bible intake. Because without the fellowship, the Bible intake is not influencing anyone else's life. It's just influencing your personal relationship with God, which is very important. But you can do that on your own time when you read your own scripture in your own house and you're doing your own thing. But when you come to church, especially at a young age, it's really important to get invested in other believers' lives because uh, it's hard to describe how much influence other people have on your life. And, I mean, I'm sure you all know that. We've all been living enough to know that uh, other people influence you more than you influence yourself. So I think that's one big important thing about connection in the church is just that you get to experience your walk with God with other believers. That's a good word. Um, now my spiritual story, I was I grew up in church just like I think everyone else up here on stage and when I was around nine I was riding home from a baseball game with my mom and we just got to talking and I got saved but like other people have said like it was uh, it was faith but there was nothing to follow. It was, I was just being saved because that's what I thought the right thing to do was. I was a Christian that went to church and I thought that you know I just needed to get saved because I, I knew that like I was a sinner and that Jesus was the only way that I could get into heaven. So I knew all the fundamental things, but then once I was saved, and I'm not, I don't want to doubt my faith because I know that in that moment and in that instant I was saved, but I did know that there was nothing to follow. And then about early high school, uh, late middle school, early high school, I kind of changed schools. And when I changed schools, just something kind of sparked and I really started to walk the walk, as Seth was saying earlier, of just being a Christian and sharing the word and learning the word so then I could become closer to God and I think that's something that's really important is just not as again Seth was saying about his rant of just coming to church and other people have said I think three people said churchy things they knew all the churchy things but they weren't actually acting out on their faith and so 
when you're saved at a young age, yes, you might come to Sunday school and service, and you might do your little Bible study on your own, but are you actually living out God's plan and purpose for your life? And I think that's what really didn't hit me until high school. And then in high school now, for the past few years, I've actually been able to serve the Lord and do what he's called me to do. Yeah, good. Let's talk about serving the Lord. Real quick, just uh, quick answers here. Um, Mike, I'll start with you. How, how are you currently serving the Lord? What, how, what would you say? And then 10 years from now, what would you like to see? Um, I'm currently serving? helping on, on Wednesday with 678 Fresh with the middle schoolers and just helping wherever I'm needed, just trying to have a servant's heart. You know, uh, in the Bible it says, um, where I am, there my servant will be also. And so just trying to have a servant's heart. And I don't know where my future will be or if it's at Mercedes or in the ministry somewhere, but just trying to have an open open mindset to how God can use me and be a light on, what's this, the light on the hill? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. You know, let me pause and say part of the reason, audience, I want you guys to hear this is because there's people in the room, you've got younger children, and I want you to, I want you to see um, the fruit of what happens when a church comes together and seeks the Lord to build a disciple-making culture. And so I want you to be encouraged, and I want you to walk away today going, man, I want to stick to this and persevere through the days that my kid wants to talk me out of doing what I know we need to be doing as a family, right? So I want you to be encouraged. Some of the older folks in the room, I want you to be encouraged because I want you to know this is who you're soon going to pass the baton off to, you know? And some of these guys, they've been at Shadow Lake. They're around some of those guys that are over there working. You know, we got senior adult guys over there every day serving the Lord and building that campus. This is the generation that's going to inherit that. All that hard work and effort that's going into that, we're giving them the keys to that. That's their inheritance uh, here from us. And so I want those of you who have sacrificed your time and your giving and your talent to be encouraged today to know that God is raising up a generation that's going to just continue to further his work even after God calls you to glory, right? So I hope that you're encouraged by that. So Micah, thank you. McKenna, how are you serving the Lord right now, and what do you maybe see long-term? Um, usually I'm over there interpreting in the 11 o'clock hour. How old were you when you started doing interpretation over there? Uh, I was in fourth grade. You're kidding. Yeah, so it's been... And now you're a senior. How many of you, just by show of hands, have watched McKenna grow up doing sign language over there on the corner of the stage? Yeah, yeah. Her and Meredith both started about fourth grade. They're both, Meredith is, uh, she's a senior at Oak Mountain this year. She's one of the many students that I wanted to have up here, and I just can't put them all up here. But y'all have done so good with that. How else are you serving the Lord? Um, On Wednesday nights with um, the 678 Fresh, just helping out, being a leader. Um, And then 10 years from now, I'm not really sure, um, you know, if I do become a psychologist, um, I'm hoping I can kind of share the light of Jesus through counseling people in uh, their most desperate time of life, um, when they feel like they're at their lowest, you know, just be that light for others. Yeah, that's good. And by the way, we wouldn't have been able to start church back up last year if it wasn't for our high school and college students. Uh, We just didn't have enough people coming back yet to serve in those ministry areas and so grace life is this far along uh on the tail end of a pandemic because of this generation stepping up and showing up to serve christian how are you currently serving the lord what are you seeing down the road um right now i'm helping out on wednesday nights in the youth um and in the future i don't know i mean i want to continue serving at church i don't know if that means like sunday school teacher or helping out in the youth no, but okay. I'm, I'm open for anything. <laughs> gotcha. Katie? Um, right now I'm helping with Hannah with the second through fifth graders. And I think my calling is kids, and I really love working with kids. So um, I'm going to Shaco Springs this summer to work at the summer camp. Yeah, we're excited. All summer long at Shaco. Yep. for you. Uh, Dylan, what you doing right now? Um, when people ask this, I like to say I have the opportunity to serve God in the biggest mission field, which is high school. And... Every day you just get to go, and even if you're not sharing the word with people every single day, if you just imitate Christ throughout your daily walk, then people will see that something is different and stands out about you, and then they can use that to to provoke a question. And then 10 years from now, I'd say I'd be serving in the second greatest mission field, which is the workplace. And um, I'm not sure what I'm going to do with my life yet, something to do with math, 
Um, but wherever I work at, I would like to say that that is going to be my opportunity to serve the Lord is just get to influence my coworkers and my bosses or my um, people who I work with influence their life through Christ. And so I'd say those are the greatest two mission fields right now in my life. If I gave you five minutes right now, could you teach us how math proves the existence of God? Um, I could give you a link that a video can. <laughs> Fair enough. Let me ask you a question while I'm on, on you here, Dylan. Um, I, one of the things, I'm in a discipleship group with Dylan and Cade and Nate and some other guys. And um, man, Dylan's spirit, his, his tenacity to be faithful to his spiritual disciplines is incredible. Second to none, it really challenges me. Another thing that I, I've watched in Dylan's life is Dylan has been in a dating relationship now for a couple years, two and a half years. Uh, with a young lady who's uh, active in another local uh, sister church. And, and so, Dylan, is it possible, I think parents in here want to hear this, and students need to hear this, is it possible that a, a boy and a girl who claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, is it possible in your generation, in the year 2021, is it possible to have a relationship like that that is pleasing and honoring to Jesus? Yes, I think it's absolutely possible for a high school or college age dating relationship to be pleasing to God because um, God created marriage for his use and his purpose as a representation of what he's going to do in our lives as he marries us to him um, in heaven. And so y'all need me, to be taking notes. If you're not taking notes, y'all, this is the best sermon y'all heard in a long time. All right. No offense to Herb last week, but collectively, Collectively, this is a really good sermon. I hate to interrupt you, but some of them just need to be taking some notes. So that's deep what you just said. You Say it again, because I will have a lot less marriage counseling to do if everybody understands today what is the purpose of marriage. And Dylan just said it. It's not two people who just love each other. We're soulmates. Dylan, say it again. Unpack it again. Why, why, why do we marry? What is the purpose of marriage? So God created marriage for humans to use as a representation of what he is going to do with us in heaven. He has gone to make a place for us, and we are the bride to him in our heavenly marriage to Jesus. And so we can use that as an earthly representation to further his kingdom. That's excellent. Excellent. Good stuff. And just briefly, tell us, I think it's cool, some some. Parents need to hear this too. What your the young lady you're dating, her dad, he's an active member of another local fellowship, but he's investing in you. Yes. Yeah, so um, they go to Hepsibah Baptist Church, and they've been going there for a while. And towards the end of last year, around November, Christmas, her dad asked me, like, "Hey, uh, I have a Bible study. Will you be willing to come and study with me on Wednesday night?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm not. I'm free on Wednesday night because we've moved our uh, high school service to Sunday night." And so every Wednesday after school, I go and I eat dinner with her family, and then we drive to church, and I have a small group with her dad, her sister's boyfriend, and her dad's friend. So there's a group of four of us, me and um, the other boyfriend, and, oh, not the other boyfriend, but the sister's <laughs> boyfriend, um, and her dad's friend. So we're able to just go, and we, we talk about things like... Um, how to eventually be a good husband or as of right now a good boyfriend and what it means to be a church member, a deacon, an elder, how to uh, imitate Christ throughout your life. And we, we're going through the F-260 plan, um, just reading and learning about different things. And it, I think it's a, a very important thing for me right now because um, it's allowed me to get to grow closer to God and allowed me to influence my girlfriend's life because her dad is influencing mine. And so I would encourage if you're a parent that has a son or a daughter, invest time in their boyfriend or girlfriend's life because it's going to allow them to grow closer together. And when you date as a Christian with the intent of marriage, growing closer together helps you grow closer to God. And as you grow closer to God, you continue to grow closer together. So it's, uh, the past few months have been a blessing just to get to experience that, and I would encourage others to do the same. Yeah, don't just try to be friends with the people your kids are dating. That's stupid. Be a disciple maker, right? That's what I hear Dylan saying. So good job to your girlfriend's family and, and to you. Seth, how are you currently serving Jesus, and what do you see down the road? Uh, let's see. Uh, I help on Wednesday nights uh, with the, what is it? 
Six, seventh, eight, and fresh. Yeah. Yeah. Those kiddos. Six, uh, seven, eight, and freshmen. That's what yes. we call it. Six, seven, eight, fresh. Yeah. Um, let's see. I do security. Uh, let's see. You look and like you could handle security. <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> um, and then let's see what else. Um, on Sunday nights before you started doing um, like the, the stuff that you're doing right now for the past eight or nine weeks, um, I, I led a college class. Um, so hopefully we'll get back to that eventually. Um, but your stuff is good too. So <laughs> thank you. You know what I'm saying? Thank you. I know y'all are eager to get out of my, my thing, so, so I'll be, good news is I'm soon wrapping that up, handing you back over to Pastor Bryant for a while, so y'all uh, go back to your group. So yeah, that, that, those are those things. Um, ten, ten years from now, honestly, hope I'm not here in ten years, because like this world's jacked up, like if Jesus just came back yesterday, it's fine, okay? <laughs> um... Yeah, let me ask you a show of hands. I know when I was younger and I'm thinking about Jesus coming back, it's like, I wanted to, but not until I'm older. Like, I want to get married. I want to live my life. And how, what do you, how do you guys honestly, how many of you say, like said, I wish Jesus had come back yesterday? Are y'all that, like, fired up about it? Okay, that's cool. I was just curious. Yeah, because, like, <clears throat> you think of it, like, in 10 years from now, you know, hopefully I would be married, right? As a single dude, like, I want a wife and I want kids and stuff. Um... But, like, honestly, how the world's going and everything, like, raising children and that, like, I'd much rather be with Jesus. So, you know, in 10 years from now, if that doesn't happen, I'm hopefully uh, working somewhere in a clinic as, as the physical therapist, you know. Um, but if, if not, I mean, hope if not, right, I'll be in heaven with Jesus, worshiping him. So that, that would be the, the better option. And you, you also are pretty passionate about taking people to heaven with you. You have a philosophy of evangelism that I, I you've just coined the phrase in my brain of your approach to personal evangelism would you just share that huh. all right so the the thing you got to do is just kick the door down okay um, I, this is cool because a lot of times we think in terms of a relationship evangelism let's build a relationship for a year 18 months and eventually maybe I'll share the gospel Seth goes no just kick the door down and do it today yeah elaborate okay. um so the reason behind the, the kick the door down is because, as we all could relate, when you try to build that relationship with that person for a year, however long, heck, they can even be like family, fam, family members and stuff, right? Um, it becomes really hard to evangelize and to share the word with them because, like, you don't want to hurt their feelings, right? Because, I mean, granted, you don't want to sugarcoat the gospel, so you need to share the truth. Um, so kind of how I, I decided to kick the door down thing was, I mean, go up to strangers, right? Because you don't really know them, right? It's not going to hurt you that bad. Um, like if they hit you, like it's all right. You, you'll get better. Um, <laughs> but there's no relationship. Risk. Yeah, there, there's no relationship. So like you can just ask questions like, what do you think about the afterlife? Do you believe in an afterlife? Um, if you were to die tonight in your sleep, uh, where would you go? Would you end up in heaven? Like, do you believe in heaven? Stuff like that. Um, and it gets, it gets the ball rolling because those are deep questions. And it's 2021, and people like to talk about themselves. And so get that started, and it just goes from there, right? Um, and ever since, like, I got these two tattoos, right? This one's a lion, and people be like, oh, you like lions. I'm like, well, no, it's a lion of Judah, and I get to talk about that. And then the cross, they're like, you like flowers and crosses? I'm like, no, I'm a Christian. And then we just kind of... Talk about that, so that makes it easier to just kind of, you know, just bust the door down and kick it down, you know, right? So, that's Good. that. Trent, what, how are you serving the Lord right now? Well, currently I'm uh, helping with the uh, middle school with uh, the Bryant, and I'm also his uh, intern. The Bryant. The Bryant. <laughs> the Bryant. And you're his intern. Yeah, you're part of the team, yes. now, officially. And uh, I guess where I see myself in 10 years... Um, well, also, I felt the call to be in the ministry, so probably see myself doing something like that, maybe a youth pastor or the head pastor, something along those lines. And uh, Come on, get it. I'm also, uh, since I'm in school with the Mercedes program, the school part, you're basically in school to be a mechanic, so I hope maybe own my own shop or still work there. That's kind of what I'm seeing. Yeah, my counsel to Trent when he was talking about maybe going in the ministry, I said, man, the world's different you know, uh, than when I started out. And it's going to be harder and harder to find a full-time ministry job. I would encourage young people to 
you know, have a way like Paul, you know, was making tents on the side to be able to, you know, swing through the drive-thru on the way home. And uh, I, I think that's wise what you're doing, man. Alana, what's you doing to serve the Lord right now? I help with the children's ministry with Hannah. They're amazing, and they pour into me more than I pour into them because I just love them. But um, in 10 years, I don't know. I've always said that I wanted to do some mission work with because I'll be a neonatologist, a NICU doctor. Um, but I don't know. I might just be in a hospital, yeah. and that's my ministry, and helping parents because that's a very vulnerable time. Yeah. So. Good. Tucker, did I ask you this question already? Okay, I'm asking now. Uh, yeah, so uh, right now I'm just kind of helping out with Brian on Wednesday nights and stuff like that with 6th, 7th, 8th, and 9th, and just trying to help any way I can, really. Uh, been to the you know new church a few times, helping out there and doing little things here and there, not much, but uh, 10 years from now, no clue. I, uh, you know, I, I just been praying that, that God would open and close doors where he needs them. You know, his, his time is perfect, and something that he's been teaching me right now is just to be patient and, you know, living at home and, uh, you know, working full time is, is, it sounds hard. You know, my job is pretty hard some days and, you know, I make decent money and have little bills to pay. So I'm just saving time and money right now. So, it, you know, I, I feel like sometimes I need to make some big boy moves pretty quickly, but, you know, in reality is, you know, I'm, my mom and dad are good enough to let me live at home for a little bit, you know. Now you're still 19, to, right? 19. 19. And we talk about serving the Lord. You got a, I mean, you got a big boy job. You work for the city of Irondale. Yeah. So you're around grown men yeah. who are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, the guys I work with, they're uh, they're great. I've I've been working there. Uh, I'm going on six months now, and uh, you know the job's hard, and you know the guys I work with just make it great. And God's really blessed me with with guys that um, I, I'm still starting to learn their you know uh, mindset and their their view on Christianity. They they all claim you know they go to church and and all this stuff, but I'm the youngest one there, and you know, it's a bunch of older guys, and I think the next guy youngest to me is uh, 28. So, you know, 19 and 20, I'm, I'm the youngest guy there, basically. And, um, you know, the, the guys are really cool. They're just r rough backgrounds. You know, I could go into detail on that. You just wouldn't understand. They, uh, you know, some you hear some crazy stuff every day. It keeps it interesting. So, um, but sharing the gospel with them is, is something that I've just kind of picked up on and starting to talk to them about, and they ask questions that, Sometimes I can't answer or some things that, you know, you, you know, off the bat, you know, meeting them, you wouldn't think these guys could come up with some questions like, like they do. And uh, you think they'd be pretty basic, you know, surface level. And some of them are, but some of them can hit you with some pretty hard questions. And, you know, the best thing that I can do is just go, you know, home later that night and look it up or, you know, but we, we have some good conversations. So, you know, I, I'm excited to see what, what God has in store there, you know, sharing the gospel with those guys and, you know, I think they understand where I'm coming from and what the Bible actually does say. So it's Powerful. exciting. So. Powerful, man. And I think what you just said is landing heavy on some adults here who in their workplace, they're older than you. They've been in their place of work a whole lot longer, and they're doing nothing for the kingdom there. Not even crossing their mind, how do I get to be a witness for Jesus? And you're the baby where you are. You're around all these older guys, and, and it's a dark place. And I, and I just appreciate your boldness for Christ, man. I'm praying for you. Um, we're going to run out of time, and I hate this because we could, I don't know, are y'all digging this? Are y'all enjoying what you're learning here today, what you're finding out? You feeling pretty comfortable that we could just hand them the keys and let them roll, right? I've been telling you that for a while. We're going to run out of time, but let me ask you, help us better understand your generation, Generation Z. What, what are the challenges they're facing? How open to the gospel are they? Where, what do you see in your generation? It's... Everybody hears from the media, the millennials, the millennials, millennials. Listen, quit worrying about the millennials. They're grown and gone. They got their own families. They got their jobs. They're, they're, our time to reach them when they're younger, that's past us. You know? And we got some wonderful millennials here in the church. The number I saw this stat yesterday. The largest generation that's currently homeowners in this country is now millennials. So if you're, if you're looking at 15-year-olds and thinking those are millennials, you're way off. You got to really get caught up here. All right. Was anybody here born before the year 2000, by the way? All right, nobody. Let that sink in. They were all born post-2000. They're all Generation Z. So somebody help me just quickly understand, help us all understand, where, where is Gen Z right now? Well, 
Um, I said this last service, but um, we're the generation known for eating Tide Pods, so we're, we lack wisdom. Do you personally know anybody that actually ate a Tide Pod? Uh, didn't, uh... Nah, don't call names, don't call names. We're live streaming, please don't call names. But yes, anyways, um... It didn't happen a lot, though. So we lack wisdom, and I think, um... We're one of the first generations that was born into uh, technology and use of phones and social media. And so we're kind of like the trial run generation for all of that. And I feel like we're so connected on the phone and virtually that we forget how to connect socially sometimes. And that can create an isolation bubble. And so because of that, um, our generation, I feel like, suffers from depression more than other generations. Suicide. Um, Suicide rate yeah. with your generation skyrocketed beginning of the year the iPhone came out. Yeah. It's staggering. And so it, it's, it's sad. We're lost. Are parents giving kids access to phones and technology too quick? I think so, yes. What do you, what do you guys think? Too fast? Sure. I wasn't, I was 11, which I still think was too young for me. So, I mean. I, I noticed Katie you didn't say 14. that in the first service. Like, I was in ninth grade. Oh, yeah. I think that's the time at the lowest that, yeah. About freshmen in high school. All right, parents, just hear them out. These are the people who say, hey, we're the first, we're the guinea pig generation with this technology, and they've come to understand and learn some things. So you need to listen to them. There's some wisdom, parents, that we can glean from them. You just lost fans in the sixth grade class, probably, but so well, be like, it. Like phones in middle school, never. It was never good for me. There was nothing good that came out of a phone except the fact that maybe I could call my mom. But I can go to the office and do that. That's there you go. So. They got a phone in the office. Still got a cord connected to it. Yeah, the the the, the struggles, mental health struggles, are real in y'all's generation. Uh, talking to a uh, part of our church family this past week. Um, in the, in their, their, their daughter in need of a bed uh, to get some help. And there's no beds available in the state of Alabama right now. If people need psychiatric care, um, you know, and that's, we're seeing the result of technology. We're seeing the result of the strain that last year put on so many people's lives. And so that's, that's what this generation is facing for themselves personally, they're facing that. They're seeing it with their siblings. They're seeing it with their mom and their dad. Um, so you guys are called to be missionaries, right, to your generation, and you're the tip of the spear, you and the rest of our students here at Grace Life that we love. So let me ask you this question as we close. God's called you out now in 2021, and you're in the work world, you're in the school world, and you're in the midst of all the complexities that Generation Z is facing. How can Grace Life, this is the question I think that people in the room want to ask you, how can we better support you? How can we better pray for you? Just a couple people jump in. Katie, go ahead. Um, I just think, pray for us that we stay strong in our faith and that we're the leaders in this generation because it's obviously crazy. So just pray that we're leaders and we stand up for what we believe in. Good. I would say, this comes from experience, um, that like having somebody older than us pour into us and in, like discipleship and stuff, like with the senior girls, we do that at Elizabeth's house. Um, and so, How many of you, show of hands, have had somebody older than you at Grace Life that really invested in your life? And you're, in, and you're doing that now with others, right? Anything else? How we can pray for you and support you? Um, I think just holding us accountable, um, you know, admonishment. Um, when we do stray away, we have somebody there to encourage us to get back on the right path. Um, for, for the dudes up here, uh, especially, right, um, just pray that since there's no such thing as a, a great man of God, there's only wretched and sinful men used by a great and powerful God, uh, just pray that Jesus would work in and through us and that we decrease while Christ increases in our life. So, Amen. yeah. Grace Life, has the Lord blessed your heart today here in these <laughs> students? And I, we didn't script it. We, I didn't coach them. Um, you know, just knew because um, we know them, and they, we know they're, they're real, and they, they love the Lord. And I want to say I'm thankful for our church family that has all the things that you do. Sometimes you may not realize that little thing maybe that you do in serving the Lord. You may not think that's a big deal, but 
the sum total of what everybody's doing here together is creating a disciple-making culture here. And, and it's starting from the time that baby comes to church on that first Sunday and is held in that nursery all the way through to where we are right now. You're seeing in this generation. And I was talking to some young parents from the first service who were just blown away and encouraged that their children are being taught by young men and women like this now. And I said, just think about it. For your children coming up, the atmosphere here is going to be richer than it even was for these young men and women because the faithfulness from generation to generation just continues to move forward. And I love that about Grace Life. I got to walk Miss Valdine into the McWaters house this past week where she got saved when she was 17 years old when the church was starting. And just to see her face as she began to have memories, she began to point out where she thought she was sitting the day that the Holy Spirit drew her in that little living room to be saved and pointed out where she had walked around to speak to the pastor about being saved. Now Miss Valdine's sitting back there at this beautiful age of 95, and it's generation to generation what the Lord is doing. So I want to close with this. I want to pray for us. I, I'm actually going to read a prayer that Paul prays in Ephesians. And I want to invite you to stand as we close in prayer. Students, y'all can step down. You'll will just let's bow together. And Paul says, For this reason, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. I pray that he may grant you according to the riches of his glory to be strengthened with power in your inner being through his spirit and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I pray that you being rooted and firmly established in love may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the length and width, height and depth of God's love and to know Christ's love that surpasses knowledge, so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do above and beyond all that we ask or think, according to the power that works in us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations, to all generations, forever and ever. Amen.